Alrighty, what's going on? Not a lot, right? Pete Callender here. Happy Monday, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. What a weekend. <laughs> oh my gosh. My particular favorite genre of the response to Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs decision, Roe v. Wade being overturned, uh, is the obviously insane people just screaming to a video camera and then they post this video up online and it gets lots of retweets and shares and likes and such. I, 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 maybe that's persuasive. I don't know. Maybe I don't know more persuasive, less persuasive than getting dressed up as, you know, body parts and dancing in front of Supreme court justices houses. I'm not sure. I don't think it's effective, but maybe I'm not the target. Maybe I'm not the target demo they're shooting for. Um, one of the most frustrating aspects to the reaction, though, has been conflation. Not inflation, conflation. I'm sure by now you have heard about the polling. This NPR, PBS, NewsHour, Marist poll that was conducted in the immediate aftermath of the Dobbs decision. And it is being used to beat opponents of abortion, making them think that the country is against them and everybody hates this decision. And the top line out of the poll definitely seems to indicate that. Here's a sampling. Um... The uh, Charlotte Observer's crack editorial board that, I mean, the, w- once you start looking at the editorial board as, as Democrats with bylines, uh, at least they do acknowledge now who writes the editorials, the board. They include that now. Uh, they never used to, but they, they've been doing that now for a little while, putting their names um, at the bottom so everybody can tell who exactly makes up the editorial board. By the way, that doesn't make their opinions good. It's just that they have them and they all agree and they write these editorials. So the paper has a voice, the institution of the Charlotte Observer, the Raleigh News and Observer, these McClatchy papers in the state. um, Winston-Salem Journal, I believe, is the other uh, that that the institution has these thoughts. And the institution's thoughts are articulated by people who tend to think alike on almost all things here. The editorial boards combined, the Charlotte Observer and the Raleigh News and Observer editorial boards combined in 2019 to provide fuller and more diverse North Carolina opinion. It's not diverse. Just being from different parts of the state doesn't make you diverse. It doesn't make the opinion content diverse. And the editorial board, they, they assure us, operates independently from the newsrooms and does not influence the work of the reporting and editing staffs. It is led by the opinion editor, Peter St. Onge, Onge uh, who is joined in Raleigh by deputy opinion editor Ned Barnett, who is a leftist, opinion writer Sarah Picanio, who's also a leftist, and in uh, Charlotte by Pulitzer Prize-winning cartoonist Kevin Sires and opinion writer Paige Mastin, who's, as far as I can tell from her columns, also a leftist. 
Board members also include McClatchy's vice president of local news, Robin Tamlin, The Observer editor, Raina Cash, News and Observer editor, Bill Church, and longtime News and Observer columnist, Barry Saunders. So despite the fact that there are editors of the two papers on the editorial board, we are to believe that they are working independently of the work of the reporting and editing staff, because as we all know, editors are not part of the editing staff or something. So they uh, point out here, they go after Greg Murphy, a congressman, Republican, who uh, put out a tweet in reaction to the uh, to the ruling, uh, proclaiming, uh, quote, no one forces anyone to have sex, which, of course, is not true. They're called rape, right? Those incidents are called rapes. So he was incorrect. Kudos for calling him out. Observer editorial board. He got that wrong. He deleted the tweet. But, you know, let's use this to make a larger point. And here's their larger point. And they rely on the polling. No matter how Republicans try to justify the ruling, the reality is that most most North Carolinians and most Americans are not buying it. Okay, well, first off, it's not a matter of justifying the ruling because the ruling justifies itself, right? If you want to know what the ruling is, just read the ruling. If you want to know the rationale and the justification for it, they lay it out in excruciating detail if you are interested to read it and to rely on the law in doing so. They say the latest polling, though, see, this is what they want. The Supreme Court should be following what the public opinion is on this matter. And the public opinion indicates that 59% of Americans disapprove of this decision. And this is according to the NPR slash PBS NewsHour slash Marist poll results. 59% disapprove of the decision. So, therefore, the Supreme Court should have ruled with the 59%, because obviously majorities never get anything wrong. A strong majority of voters say it makes them more likely to vote in November, with 51% saying they would definitely vote for a candidate who would support a federal law to restore the right to an abortion. Which is, by the way, where that should have been done in the first place. That's how you are supposed to do the work in America. You're supposed to pass laws. You're not supposed to issue edicts in the form of rulings from lawyers wearing robes. That's the way it's supposed to work. Republicans know that, they say. They're facing the political reality that this is not an issue that helps them, and they are responding poorly. And in doing so, they're showing us exactly who they are. NorthCountryPublicRadio.org. They had the write-up here on the polling, saying majorities of Americans say they disagree with the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. They think it was politically motivated, and they're concerned the court will now reconsider rulings that protect other rights and are more likely to vote for a candidate this fall that would restore the right to an abortion. Why would people think that this right, or the, the, the Supreme Court, would go after other cases, other rights? You've heard gay marriage mentioned, contraception, access to contraception, Griswold, the uh, anti-sodomy laws, right? Why would people think that the Supreme Court would go after those? 
Oh, well, Pete, you know, Clarence Thomas wrote about it. I am aware Clarence Thomas put that in his opinion. And you know how many Supreme Court justices signed on to his opinion? None. It was just his. (laughs) That's it. He concurred with the majority view, and then he issued his own opinion where he talked about those other things, saying they deserve reevaluation. Every one of the other judges did not sign on to that. So what is? The, let's do the math there. Eight of the nine not signing on to that. Nobody talks about that. Nobody mentions that. We are supposed to believe that Clarence Thomas, with his one vote on the court, will be able to determine the outcome of all rulings on those matters. I was unaware that one vote carries such weight. Like, what is this, the uh, Democrat superdelegate system? That Oh, I kid the Democrats. Completely undemocratic method of selecting presidential nominees. They did. They did fix that. I will say to their credit, they did eventually fix that in order to make sure Hillary won. But um, conflation. What is the conflation here? It's that this public opinion poll about people's view on Roe v. Wade being overturned somehow means that the American public wants the Democrats version of abortion law. And that's just not true. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. Thanks a lot for listening, for letting me be a part of your day. I appreciate it. And uh, if you want to participate in the program, it's 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, by the way, every year at WBT Sky Show, you know, we do the... Uh, the flag ceremony after the ball game and before the fireworks, uh, we do a ceremony to honor veterans and active uh, duty military. So uh, if you would like to participate in that, go to WBT.com for your chance to join us at WBT Sky Show. You'll get four tickets to the game and uh, you'll be part of the flag ceremony on the field. So go to WBT.com. Welcome home and thanks for your service and uh, good luck. So uh, this poll from NPR, which red flag on that one, just automatically suspicious because it's NPR. I always say the most important thing to look at in any poll is who did it, who paid for it. Because generally speaking, you're not going to release poll results (laughs) that you don't like if you paid for it. You don't have to release them. You, You put out a poll, comes in, you don't really like the results, so you don't release them. Not that I'm saying that they would ever behave like that, but it does happen. Also, this is what Rush Limbaugh used to talk about as well, where these types of polls that are put out, they essentially measure how effective the media strategy has been. For example, why are there all these concerns about other uh, rulings being overturned. I'm looking right now. Will Duran from the News and Observer just sent out a tweet. He may have deleted it, though, but he was promoting a story saying gay marriage would once again become illegal in North Carolina if the Supreme Court overturns Obergefell next. Well, is I'm sorry, is there is there a case that's about to overturn Obergefell? Is there is, this, is there some indication that this is imminent? 
I haven't heard anybody discuss it. There hasn't been any case that I'm aware of. I, I don't follow the Supreme Court stuff too closely, but close enough. I've not heard anything about this. The only thing I've heard is Clarence Thomas's comment in his concurring opinion. That was joined by zero colleagues. So not sure that an eight to one majority is overcomable by uh, Clarence Thomas, but it's possible. But the media does these stories. They keep doing these stories, keep focusing on Clarence Thomas. They keep focusing on this one line of his that, hey, you know what? Maybe we could look at these other things because that, too, was judicial activism and overreach by the Supreme Court. And he makes the case that that he has the law on his side. And this is going to come as a shock, but there are other judges on the bench that disagree with his interpretation of those laws. Now, on Obergefell, I tend to agree with Clarence Thomas. I didn't think that was a good ruling. I didn't find it to be legally justifiable when I read through it years ago, right? But that doesn't mean that the other eight justices, who, by the way, in their opinion, in the majority opinion, they explicitly walled off all of those other cases saying abortion was different. Why? Because it involves the taking of another human life. It's different. So despite the fact that these judges walled it off, why is media running around telling people that it's not walled off? That it's coming soon. This is imminent. We're going to lose all these other rights. And then they put a poll out in order to test whether their message has landed. How are they convincing people? Here's the problem I have with this Marist poll. And I pulled the cross tabs because you always got to read the cross tabs. You always got to read the questions that were asked. And more importantly, the questions and information that were not asked or provided. If you're not going to provide people with pieces of information so they can be informed when they make their answer, then what are you actually polling except ignorance, right? That's what this poll tells me is how many people are actually ignorant of the law. In their state, in their particular state, because when you ask them a question, quote, the U.S. Supreme Court has overturned the 1973 decision in Roe versus Wade, which guaranteed the right to abortion. Do you support or oppose the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade? When you frame it like that, what are you saying? That it guaranteed the right to abortion. Right, but it was not in the Constitution. It never should have. So did it actually guarantee that right? No, it made it up. It, it, it conjured up, it divined in the, in the Constitution that there was some other meaning in the words that the founders wrote. So do you support or oppose the overturning of it? And, of course, they find they get this number uh, that uh, 56% oppose overturning it. And so this, this number is then used in order to do what? To tell everybody that this was an unpopular thing that shouldn't have been done. Therefore, we need to codify Roe v. Wade and we need to give abortion access on demand. And we need to do what the Democrats want us to do. Except the polling is actually not on the Democrats' side on that. 70% of people in America want bans on abortions in the third trimester. Almost as many say in the second trimester as well. They want limits. 
They want strict limits, strict limits that Democrats don't agree with. But right now, we get treated to the conflation of limitless abortion on demand with opposition to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. See, a way that the Marist polling firm could have uh, made this a little bit more legitimate, a little bit more credible, would be if in asking the question, all they had to do was tack on a couple of extra words. And those extra words could have been something along the lines of returning the issue to the individual states, returning the issue to the people, letting citizens and states determine whatever, like anything you want to, any way you want to frame that, but essentially to convey the idea that it's not banned unless you're in a state that bans it, but you have the ability to change those laws. So for example, you know, maybe another question could have been, do you think that the court should have ever taken the, uh, uh, this decision from the states and from the people? So when you look at the uh, the breakdown, the U.S. Supreme Court has overturned the 1973 decision in Roe versus Wade, which guaranteed the right to abortion. Do you support or oppose the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade? And among national adults, 40 percent support, 56 percent oppose. National registered voters. So now this is voters, which actually matters a little bit more. It's very similar, 41 to 55 percent. When you break down the numbers, 88% of Democrats oppose it. 10% supported it. 77% of Republicans support overturning it. 20% opposed overturning it. And then independents, it's uh, 41 support overturning, 53% oppose overturning, which is basically in line with the overall national picture. So what does this tell us? Is that... People are divided on the issue. And they want to say that this 56 to 40 percent, that this is all we need to know. That's the headline. That's the focus. Here you go. Uh, This was from CNN uh, uh, Reliable Sources. Uh, Let me see here. I wrote their names down over here. It's uh, Susan Matthews from Slate, which is a terrible publication, and Kate Smith. Senior Director of News Content for Planned Parenthood, formerly of CBS News, Kate Smith, left her job in the news business and went to work for Planned Parenthood. These are the two people that Brian Stelter, who is a potato, uh, that he had on to talk about media bias in covering this story. I know what you're thinking. Media bias. Oh, yes, there is media bias in the covering of this story. No, no, no. Not the media bias that these three people see. Do you think the media is slanted in its coverage of Roe v. Wade and all the aftermath? I mean, here's Kate, who worked at CBS, now she works for Planned Parenthood. Is the media as an institution biased on this issue? I think the media is a lot of different things, but I think the main thing that I would say about this issue in particular is that support for abortion has been consistent basically since Roe v. Wade, and a majority of Americans actually want access to abortion care. And so you get into a situation with the media. Uh, Abortion care. That's what the... It's so funny to me how they try to find all of these euphemisms to try to explain, try to explain, make their position more palatable, right? Abortion care. Oh, 
It's abortion care. Hmm, makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. That's Susan Matthews from Slate. And she's talking about how people support, generally support, abortion access. Okay. Up till how long? See, because that's a really important part of that question. There's a, you got a whole window, like nine months. And considering what I have seen over the last, well, ever since David Delayden from uh, the Center for Medical Progress came along and put out all those videos of Planned Parenthood selling baby body parts, all that stuff, um, the, the positions I have seen from the leftists on this has grown way more radical than I ever thought that I thought they were of the you know safe, legal, and rare mindset. No, no, no. They, apparently, that's been discarded. Where there's one side that actually represents a majority view of, of what voters want, of what Americans want, and then you have a, a, a small minority of people who have really, really strong views on this issue, mm. and they've been doing mm. so many things. As Hmm, do you hear the potato there? Hmm, oh, this is so intriguing. She's citing this poll that a majority believe in abortion access, and it's a small minority. Small minority, 40%? That's not a small minority. 40%, that's... And by the way, the poll has a plus or minus of five points, which, yeah, which when you put that in, could swing it to tide, evenly divided tide. So what are you even talking about, slate person? You're saying, as Kate has been saying, to to make their views the dominant ones, to to make their views the ones at the top of Google searches, to influence the Supreme Court, to do all of this. So you have this back and forth. So think about this in the coverage in the last couple of days. Kate, I see all these split screen images, you know, one person who's cheering, another person who's jeering. I see tears on one side and then I see celebrations on the other. That 50-50 split, isn't that actually misleading? Isn't that actually distorting? Absolutely, Brian. That is a complete (laughs) distortion of the facts that we know about how people feel about abortion access and specifically the legality of abortion. We know that eight in 10 Americans want abortion to be legal. So when you put that slit, split screen up of, you know, one person who loves it, one person who hates it, well, that's completely ignoring Which, the Which, to be fair, we are doing right now. Well, where's your news director? No, I'm <laughs> kidding you. But It's all me. It's all me. I choose the videos. <laughs> all right, so the potato literally just softballed this lead-in question to Kate Smith of Planned Parenthood about whether or not the media is biased against the pro-choice side. That's what they're talking about. And as evidence of this bias, he cites the split-screen images of people supporting and people opposing. And then he shows that same split-screen as she's talking. (laughs) I knew the guy lacked self-awareness, but holy smokes. (laughs) It's just unbelievable. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The email, by the way, is Pete at the Pete Callender Show. And that's Callender, K-A-L-I-N-E-R. Remember, get the podcast. It's free. So I got a couple of emails. William says, Pete, I am not a doctor, but I do have a question because I have a little bit of knowledge. When a baby exits the birth canal, is it not still connected 
with an umbilical cord, and does the doctor not have to take a little suction device and clear the mucus out of the nose and the throat of the baby because it's not yet breathing? So according to Scott Huffman, who you interviewed a couple of weeks ago, right, does the uh, do the rights obtain as soon as the entire fetus body is out of the birth canal, or does it have to be detached from the umbilical cord, or does it have to have his airway cleared and be breathing on its own first? This is why, despite what uh, Scott Huffman and his uh, swarming uh, sycophants on social media tried to deny the importance of the question when I asked, when do the rights attach? When do rights obtain for the baby? That's the fundamental question. I've been watching people talk past each other all weekend long on this. It's a very simple question. That helps to distill the essence of the conversation. And there was some idiot on Twitter, which, uh, oh, I should do this. Hang on. I I should do this. Because we now have, uh, we're looking to potentially uh, brand uh, this segment. The Zone of Dumbassery. Yeah, something like that. Uh, This idiot said on Twitter that it was all about uh, the baby being hooked to a feeding tube. And as long as that was the case, then it's not a human. It's not a baby. You could do whatever you want to it. So I naturally ask, when do rights obtain? Because if 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 you are telling me the standard is the feeding tube, the umbilical cord, right? You're telling me that's the case. That's the standard. Does that mean I can deliver the child after nine full months of gestation deliver the child, and then murder the child as long as I don't snip the umbilical cord. Your standard, not mine, your standard. Right? This isn't, this isn't simply a game of what if. We saw this happen with Kermit Gosnell, which, by the way, there's now a podcast about him. Um, I think it's called Serial Killer, something like that. Um, he was an abortion provider up in Philadelphia, I believe, and could very well be the most prolific serial killer in American history. But nobody wants to touch the story and do an examination on it, any of the legacy corporate outlets, at least, because he was an abortion provider and used those services, used abortion care, as the vehicle to murder his victims. And he kept trophies, which is kind of a classic sign of the whole serial killerisms, you know? So when you ask somebody, when do the rights attach, you get different answers. But the vast majority of Americans, they say no to the late-term abortions. Gallup, just a couple weeks ago, June 13th, Gallup released the results of its annual survey of Americans' attitudes towards abortion. The results may come as a bit of a disappointment to some pro-lifers because it shows 55% of Americans identify as pro-choice, quote-unquote. That is a five-point increase from the Gallup poll the previous year. Furthermore, nearly every question included in the Gallup poll indicated there was a five- to six-point gain in support for legal abortion since the 2021 survey. However, a closer look indicates that this shift in pro-choice sentiment might not actually matter much politically. You know why? Because all of the gains in support for legal abortion took place among self-identified Democrats. You're not persuading anybody new then. 
Many Americans still wrongly believe that a reversal of Roe would ban abortion across the country. That's what they also found. People, so when you ask the question, like Maris did, that you're overturning Roe v. Wade and that's going to ban abortion nationwide, that's what people think. But that's not true. It's not true. Now, Gallup did ask, to their credit, for only the seventh time in 26 years they've been doing this polling. Seventh time they've asked this question about the legality of late-term abortions. The poll found strong public opposition to legal abortion after the first trimester. 55% thought abortions should be generally illegal in the second trimester. 71% say generally illegal in the third trimester. So the very... Same polling data, this 55% number that they're using today to talk about how unpopular it was to overturn Roe v. Wade, that same percentage applies to people who oppose second trimester abortions and even greater numbers oppose third trimester. But they conflate the overturning of Roe with access at all points in pregnancy. They don't tell you that part of it. That would change the story. See, this is why I welcome the debate now. This is what the Supreme Court now allows us to discuss. Because before we we didn't have to. We couldn't because it was settled law. All right, I'll get to phone calls. Stick around after the news. 